Leonard here, and I know we all have a couple daily lists. You know what they are. The have-to-do list and the choose-to-do list. To make my daily choose-to-do list, you have to be special. And Papa's Roast Coffee is truly that special. That's why Papa's Roast Coffee is a regular choice of mine and so many others. Papa's Roast owners, Dean and Debbie Chris, take special care to provide a perfect roast on every bean. Sourced from a single origin, the coffee beans are roasted to perfection in small batches, and then, if that were not enough, the beans are packaged and shipped in an eco-friendly bag. Papa's Roast Coffee, from start to finish, has earned a place on my everyday choose-to-do list, and I think they will on yours too. Get your Papa's Roast Coffee at papasroast.com today. Now, to our conversation. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and we have a uh, special change heading our way uh, in 2023. And I'm excited to uh, introduce somebody that uh, you've heard on our podcast. Uh, He is a very, very dear and close friend, uh, a person that I love with all my heart. And um, uh, I'm just happy to say that uh, for the next several months, uh, we are going to have a co-host uh, at least once a month, and that co-host is Justin Orr. He is a pastor in California. Uh, he is a gourmet chef, uh, and let's see, what else is he? Uh, he drives a Jeep and mocks people who don't. Mm-hmm. So with that being no, said... That's not, true. <laughs> that's not true. I do drive a Jeep, but I don't mock people who don't. <laughs> uh, in your heart, maybe a little bit. Um Stop. <laughs> So, uh, Justin, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, we're going to jump in and have a fun con- conversation today. Well, you know, if you really want to know a lot of my story, I encourage you to go back to listen to episode one of Say Yes and Become. I got to be the privilege of being your first guest, so you can hear about our story, our journey together, but it's also a story about my journey into ministry and saying yes to Jesus and, and stepping into vocational ministry. Um, like you said, I, I was a chef by trade for a lot of years, uh, owned a catering business called Burnt Offering Barbecue, did that for a long time until God said, That's hey, a great name. Really Where did it come for. from? <laughs> well, you can actually hear that from the podcast. Too. I'm pretty sure it was in there. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was birthed out of uh, uh, just our friendship and, yeah. and living life together. And yeah. so... Um, a dad to a son, Zachary, who uh, is up in Reno, Nevada, uh, working with dogs. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. And uh, married to an amazing wife named Stacy, who is so incredibly gifted and um, runs our women's events at our Heights, at Heights Church. And gosh, does a billion other things. Master decorator, you know, fun bringer, shenanigans maker. Yeah. So. I'm a I'm a pretty blessed guy all around. Um, you may or may not hear my dogs running around this house because they are you know just dogs. But uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Anyway, and and I get to be a pastor. I do our life groups uh, at Heights Church, which are our small group ministry. I oversee that and our young adults, which is a fairly new thing. I uh, took it over right out of coming out of Cuba when you and I had the privilege of traveling to Cuba together. God really moved that on my heart that it was a time for me to step into that role. And so now I am the young adults pastor as well um, as, as life groups. So yeah, lots, lots on my plate. What if every time we took a trip, you added another role 
And so like, okay, we go to another I, trip and now you're the women's ministry pastor. And uh... <laughs> I'm going to stop going on trips is what's going to happen. <laughs> like, if that's the correlation, <laughs> I may not go anymore. Oh uh, man. But no, Dude, it, was, you're tripping. it was clear that God was speaking to me on them. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So, but it was, it was really clear that God was speaking to me when we went to Cuba about the young adults and uh, it was just his timing. And so, in fact, uh, I'm sure that the Heights Church does a podcast at some point. We will be talking about that journey because uh, it was really about being patient and waiting for God to bring the right people and move the right hearts into place. And so um, it just happened to be the catalyst was Cuba for me. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And that was a fun trip, yeah. too. <clears throat> it was. We yeah. had a great time. We had a great time. And I got big well, plans and, for, and for fall. me. Go ahead. Do you? Oh, yeah. Well, I said for me, you know, I, one of the things that came out of that that trip is, you know, you and I have been in this place in our journey and our friendship together where I know you and how you train and how you teach so well. But one of the things I've always personally struggled with is how do I put that into practice? Hmm. And out of Cuba, um, you gave me a set of language and it's, it comes from one of the trainings from 4Gen that, um, you know, follow, trust, love, imitate, bear fruit. That, that piece was game changing for me yeah. um, because I like structure and, and yet with that structure, it can still feel organic. And um, boy, that, that was really, that was huge, Leonard. Um, just really grabbing a hold of that and letting that, that seed plant in my heart, because it really goes to what we want to be talking about in the new year, doesn't it? It's, it's how do we build a confident faith? Absolutely. That is one of our themes for 23 is, is building a confident faith. I think, um, I think faith takes a beating and whenever it takes a beating, it goes into fight or flight. Um, Mm. and, uh, and I think flight is never a good answer. Fight is sometimes the right answer, but most often it's, it's conditioning. It's building a stamina Mm -hmm. that faith can be, it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be aggressive. Uh, it knows when to step in and when to just be silent because faith is our Christian faith is always should be about building bridges, not walls. And uh, so that's a big theme for us this year. It's funny. You mentioned Justin that, that, you know, for all these years uh, you didn't have a language for the process that I took you through. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and yet it was very intentional on my part. Um, Right. And one of the reasons why I never developed that language, I mean, I have in the last probably eight or 10 years more than ever. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the reasons I never did was because I've been told my whole life, Leonard, you are, you, you make disciples, but that's just because you're weird. You know, it, it, <laughs> right. it, it works for you, but it doesn't you're work. You're a weirdo. Well, it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but I was told, well, you know, it works for you, Leonard, but it doesn't work for other people because you think differently. You're kind of an odd duck. And, mm-hmm. um, and then as I begin to unpack that and move, not the, not the statement about me being an odd duck, but unpack the training more and more. And the mm-hmm. more I've done over the last, we're going to be 12 years old as a ministry in January, which is crazy. Wow. But yeah. the more that I that have makes... done it, the more I realize is that um, that wasn't the voice of God saying, Leonard, mm-hmm. you're weird. It's only works for you, but rather you have things that I've given you that you need to get out and start using and mm-hmm. one of the, and teach other people. And so uh, 
the process of follow, trust, love, imitate, bear fruit. We'll probably actually have a conversation about that in the future as we talk about building a confident faith. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, but that's one of our themes this year. And so here, let me throw this at you, um, uh, Justin, what is from your perspective, what is the value of a confident faith? Uh, You're working with young people. What's the value of that for them? So one of the things about the young adults that I work with, and I love them passionately. Give us an age range of those those people. So they're 18 to 25 is the young adults. Uh, Good majority of them had graduated uh, high school, 20, 21, 22. So many of them are 19, 20. Some of them turning 21 right now. I have a couple that are older in their mid twenties, but for the most part, it's 18 to 25. And, um, a lot of them have had these beautiful Christian homes that they've grown up in. Um, and so they have lived under this beautiful banner and love and protection and wisdom of their parents. Um, it's really a who's who of our church when it comes to the parents of these kids. And so for me, the confident faith that I'm trying to help instill in them is, You've got to make it yours. It's got to be yours. You have to take ownership of your faith. It can't be just something you've always done. It has to be growing, thriving. Um, you know, it's it's where's where's your focus? What are you focused on? Where are you following? Like, you know, um, the benefits of it are, and the beauty of it. I have one of the challenges I do with the young adults is we read five chapters. Uh, every day, the same five chapters every day for 21 days. Um, and I've got young adults that are just, re- they're reading the Word of God. I mean, and they're memorizing the Word of God, and they're meditating on the Word of God, and they're talking about the Word of God. Now, they roast me incessantly. Um, we have a group chat that they meme stuff, and man, I am <laughs> I am the butt of their memes, I'll tell you what. I But I just, I got to laugh at it because I... I love them so much. I'm like, okay, I got to have a good sense of humor about this because they're, <laughs> they're pretty ruthless when it comes to the jokes. And so, but you know, it, their, their faith is growing and it's vibrant. And um, I got to tell you for, for that age group, you know, it's the age group that is being chalked up in this generation that is walking away from their faith. Mm. Um, it's the age group that, that people have, semi-given up on when it comes to, well, they're just this way. I'm, or they get pigeonholed as um, lazy or, I mean, there's all kinds of labels that the older generations place on this group of people. But what I see is an incredibly creative, um, passionate for, you know, all kinds of, you know, really just things in this world, things that matter to them. And so, how do you help lean that passion and that that desire to see people healed and healthy to Jesus? Um, and how do you help them channel that into their faith and and make it personal? Um, that's that I just it, it's so valuable, Leonard. I, I think um, you know I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, can't, I couldn't speak more. I mean, I could keep going about, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. But really, the value is, it's in the pudding. I mean, all of these young adults serve. Like, if you walked into our Sunday morning service, you would see five of the six men that are in our young adults 
running a camera, running CG. Um, it, they, it's just what they do. It's just who they are. They're just a part of it. Running lights for us, um, playing the drums. I mean, they they have leaned into service, and so um, it's just beautiful. I mean, they're bearing fruit in their life, and mm-hmm. so it's it's clear that they're following. And I just I love it. I absolutely love it. So, so what about you? Like, uh, what are your thoughts about that same kind of question? Are you seeing something that the value of of faith? What what is your idea about that? So. I think covenant faith, you know, the scriptures say, do not uh, throw away your confidence, which has a great promise of reward. And that was written to people who were who were thinking of leaving Jesus and going back to uh, Judaism. They were thinking, well, you know, I, mm. need, to, I need to go back into that uh, because of persecution. Faith had become difficult. Maybe their expectations now that I now that I follow the Messiah, the one that was promised us life's going to get good. And instead it got hard. Um, and they mm-hmm. needed a confident faith in a world that was hostile. And uh, I just think that uh, we live in a pretty hostile world. And for the, for the millennial, for the, um, for the Gen X or not Gen X, but Gen Z, and even for the mm-hmm. screen generation, the glass, uh, I think that, that, uh, that hostility comes from two places. One, one place it comes from the, the culture that we live in uh, yeah. that is that is not a friend of Jesus. We live in a post-Christian no. nation. We live in a post-Christian culture, and it's not a friend of Jesus. And uh, it's easy to cave to or believe that our faith doesn't matter because we use the word science. Uh, science has trumped in so many people's minds scripture uh, or truth, mm-hmm. and, and yet the majority you know, science strictly as a definition uh, is within the realm of observation, but we, Mm -hmm. we, we focus on the realm of anticipation. If I do these things, I anticipate this outcome, not necessarily true. And so that that's the second practice of scientific methods. And so when I think Mm -hmm. about, when I think about it, they're under constant assault and it's more aggressive than ever, you know, so that, Mm -hmm. You know, I hear I hear story after story after story of students who who were told in a in a school setting, in a in a work setting, in a, a social setting, don't bring your Jesus in here. I will flunk you. I will fail you. I will fire you. I will leave you. I will abandon you. Um, there's there's just a whole lot of, you know whole lot of people who have who have uh, viewed Christian faith as 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 mean or 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 irrelevant, or even a threat to their own personal space, and they're responding mm-hmm. in that. And so there's a there's an aggressive nature to that faith. I think there's also, uh, and I'm going to say uh, hostile. I might need to back off that word for the second group of people just a little bit because I I host, hostility seems as though it is uh, is an intentional act towards somebody. I think there's an unintentional mm-hmm. act towards uh, younger generations. Uh, by the faith community, uh, the Jesus community. And what I mean by that is, is um, you know, having pastored for, well, uh, you know, two decades, more than two decades, and having served in, in ministry for, for more than four, um, we have a tendency to say, you become like us, and that mm-hmm. involves culture, that involves communication, that involves uh, even expression of faith. 
rather than mm-hmm. saying uh, you speak a different language, uh, you speak a techno technology language, you speak, a, you build relationships different, you uh, experience uh, the way you, the amount of stuff you've learned is so far past what I had to learn just to get through high school. And mm-hmm. there is a, there is a, uh, a movement in the body of Christ that says, become like us. Otherwise, we say things like, um, you don't know how to build good relationships. Uh, you don't know how to, uh, you don't know how to communicate. You don't know how to. And, 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 and the, the measurement of that is not necessarily the result of their life, but it is actually that it's so different from what maybe I learned in in growing up in the in the church in the 60s and 70s or what somebody learned in the 70s and 80s or 90s or even to it's changed in the last five years even more and so there's a there's a a push against young people that i think comes from inside the walls of the church that says mm-hmm. this is how you experience jesus if you don't uh, you're always on your phone and there's always a shot at them before there is ever an affirmation that this might be the most creative generation we've ever produced. Uh, it mm-hmm. might be this, these generations uh, are willing to live on less to do more. Um, mm-hmm. This is the generation that I think uh, properly trained and taught will give all for Christ in a unique way. Um, you know, and we keep putting him back. Well, this is how we did it. Well, how we did it also led to a 55% or so divorce rate. It led to addiction at its highest level. It le- I mean, so we can't romanticize our success when we look at the, you know, our generations. And I think I'm probably, you're, you're kind of Gen X and I'm a little bit of a boomer and an X. I'm a tweener. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we literally ushered in. Uh, the majority of false doctrine in the church. We literally ushered in, you know, we are that generation that did that. Um, we give less than any generation. Um, we serve less than any generation. And yet we've made more than any other generation. And we're we're telling young people to say, you need to be like us more than you need to be like Jesus. And they're calling us out on it going, nah, I don't think so. You know, I'm not sure that that's where I want to go. And I'm not trying to trash the church at all. I'm just saying that uh, what we have is from this outside and from the inside uh, and what we need to do for young people, for all people, but for young people is say, let's connect you to the vine. Let's give you great tools for understanding and knowing scripture. Let's mentor and disciple you so that you know how to do the same for others. Let's teach you uh, habits and disciplines of faith that allow you to walk day in and day out, moment by moment. Let's teach you uh, what might be called stations or offices so that throughout the day you're revisiting scripture, so that throughout the day you're revisiting prayer. Because what you read at six in the morning has worn off by two in the afternoon. And uh, Mm -hmm. let's walk with you and then let's teach you how to be generous with your time, your talent, your treasure. Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's what we need to do so that they can stand strong with what God has said Mm -hmm. when pressure comes from both sides. And they say, no, this is the truth of the gospel that I'm walking in.
Um, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, I get so passionate about these types of things. So if I get a little preachy, forgive me. Um, mm. I just think there's a whole lot of people out there that we have accused or labeled at, to saying you've rejected the gospel when in reality mm-hmm. they never knew it. Right. They never, they right. never understood it. So <clears throat> that's, that's kind of what I think. And I, I think the more that we work to say, I love who you are and where you are, I'm going to use tools that make sense. Um, but that's not, that's not done from a pulpit that's done across a cup of coffee. Uh, that's done across a table with coffee. That's in a, in a circle of three, um, having real life conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And not to minimize what we do from a pulpit. I, I preach all the time and I believe in that. I just think there's, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's an additional, and it's not a system. It's a relationship. It's a process. It's organic. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, you know, you 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 mentioned, and I, I just want to touch back on or circle back to something you said, <clears throat> because I and I've been I've been seeing this and thinking this this thought. You know, while we recognize that there is a huge chunk of the church that did those things that ushered those things in, there's also a church of the faithful in the midst of it all. Yes, you know, I I was having conversations with somebody who was just kind of beating up on the church the other day, and I told them, I said, you want to know why we don't hear about the stuff that is so good in the church because you know jesus teaches us to not brag about how incredibly awesome we are <laughs> yes you know and so right you know don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so we're not blasting out there on on social media how amazing we are by giving to the homeless or doing this ministry or starting this stuff i mean you know we don't advertise the 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 work that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to loving and training and helping and meeting those needs and so well, I also, I, I absolutely agree with you and all those, those statements are true, but I also recognize, and I want to honor those who mm-hmm. have done just such a phenomenal job um, yeah. holding fast and making sure that their faith is strong in the midst yes. of this, because, you know, I, I, I've sat in those messages where I just go, gosh, our generation, our generation, I'm like, man, I've been holding to Jesus trying to teach people this whole time. I, I don't fall into that category. Yeah. Um, have I made my mistakes? Yeah, absolutely. But I have poured my life into others for the reason, it's the same reasons that you've, you've talked about, you know? And so I just want to make sure that we honor those folks who do that yes. stuff really well, because they're, they're out there. And uh, so thank you for, if you're listening for being that person. And if you're the other one, Hey man, we just want to encourage you just lean in because, you know, God does have some special stuff when you step into those places. Thanks I think for, one of the benefits yeah. for me, one of the benefits for me of having that confident faith, Leonard, is that um, there is something that in my relationship with God that changes when I trust him um, with things like my resources. Uh, mm. You know, when I became a faithful giver, my world changed. It really did. Uh, my faith changed the blessing on my life. And I'm not talking financial blessing, just the the peace, all of those things that God does. Um, it just shifted. And um so I just, I always tell people that I'm like, you don't know what you you're missing until you step in and do it. And then you look back and go, wow, I was missing all of that because yeah. I didn't do it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, one of the things that we start with whenever we do our training somewhere is we start with the fact that the church is beautiful. She loves yeah. who no one loves. She goes where no one goes. She says what yeah. no one says, 
she does so at the risk of of making enemies out of people she wants to be a friend. Uh, but right. the value of what she says is so high, it's worth the risk. And I think right. that, um, you know, there's a lot of people on who we say an older generation. Um, I don't I don't think that is the whole church, uh, nor do mm-hmm. I think it's everybody in the church. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's more of a message than a person. Um, yeah. You know, and so I think you're right. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's um, that's a good clarification. We don't want to uh, to build a wall uh, any more than we want a wall built to younger generations. Um, We all need we all need each other in such. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really glad you thought that uh, that was put on your mind. Um, So when you when you. um, we're talking about confident faith, building one. We're talking about the value of that. Um, uh, what do you think are some of the enemies of confident faith? Well, I think first one right out of the gate is fear. Um, you know, one of the things culture screams at us is be afraid, uh, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. There's a boogeyman around the corner, this, uh, you know, uh, if this doesn't happen, the whole world's going to fall. The sky is falling. I mean, and people get really um, dramatic um, when it comes to that. They they get hyperbolic, which they blow things way out of proportion um, instead of grounding in reality. And, and that kind of speaks to the nature of truth. You know, here's the problem is truth itself is under attack. Um, the idea is of there's something called objective truth, meaning there, there's a, a clock on the wall behind me. That clock is blue. Um, that idea is under attack that, that because it, it is what it is, it's identity, it's a clock, it's blue. Um, that's an objective truth. It's, it's outside of me. It's not about my feelings about it. It is the thing that it is. And, and that concept is being challenged. Mm-hmm. And people are changing the definitions in our language um, so, you know, there's this moving target that people are just wrestling with, you know, you say, uh, you know, and so the culture comes and they scream fear at us and then they change the language of something. And so even the idea or the word faith, you've got to get clarification from people. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, when I'm walking with somebody, when I'm d- discipling somebody, when I'm sitting with them across the cup co- from a cup of coffee, I am asking them define that for me. I'm constantly asking them explain what you mean when you say this word salvation. What does that mean? Um, because you know, understanding what it is, what the simple gospel is, you know that people aren't good in and of themselves, that we need that savior. Um, people have been fed the lie through culture that, no, you're a good person. And, and well, you don't do bad things or you're not as bad as so-and-so. And that's the problem is we use the, the scale of comparison to a mass murderer as, you know, and I come out looking like a bed of roses in that case. But when I'm compared against the, the standard of perfection, I, I don't look so great. In fact, I look pretty bad. And, and so does everybody. And so, but I, I think the biggest, it, it's it's fear is one of the first challenges. Mm. Um, because you then also have fear of failure. 
you know, what happens if I step out in this faith and it, it lets me down or God lets me down? Um, and I think that happens in so many facets of people's lives that they're not willing to take um, the risk, so to speak, to see if it's true, to see if it's real, to um, to serve, step up and lead or facilitate. And so I, I really think that that's the big one of the biggest roadblocks right out of the gate is fear. I, um, I really feel. You know, it's interesting, Justin, you talk about fear and how rampant it is, how much it runs uh across literally every every uh thread of our of our culture i think um when i think about fear um one of the things that we fear uh when it comes to a confident faith is that um we're afraid of two things one is we don't know enough so we've stepped in and so we think faith is blind it doesn't have facts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have information. It doesn't have a solid foundation. So I've stepped out in this ethereal, I'm just going to put my trust in, isn't it neat? There's a fluffiness. You know, it's like, it's like standing, trying to find a firm foundation on a cloud, you know? And so right. when we talk about this idea and, and yet the scripture talks about faith as being something that's once for all delivered, you know, it's an amazing mm-hmm. reality. It's a, it's it's immersed in, as you say, truth. Uh, and so mm-hmm. we tend, it you know, it's kind of like saying I've got confidence. Uh, I, I I have confidence in eating cotton candy, that it's going to taste good. But if I'm in a fight, I have no confidence that cotton candy is going to serve me. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's too fluffy. It's mm-hmm. too. You know, um, I think we tend to take our faith as though it's cotton candy. It's sweet. It's nice. Mm. It's supposed to help us rather than it's uh, the word being uh, uh, sharper than a two-edged sword divides asunder bone and marrow. Take up the sword of the spirit. And I'm not talking about being militant. I'm just simply talking about about the idea of saying, man, I am, I have a faith that is powerful. Um, And so I think fear that it really isn't what it says it is, or we don't know enough about it. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think, the other thing too is a fear, a fear. Well, it's it's actually just a lack of understanding of the power of the gospel. You know, we yeah, live in a culture today that is that has uh, explained the gospel in ways that really aren't the gospel from a just a strict, simple mm-hmm. perspective. You know, and so yeah. we we put a lot of emphasis on. We say we're going to preach the gospel, but what we're really preaching is a response to the gospel. Uh, we're going to preach right. the gospel, but we're really preaching a result of the gospel. And so right. we have people who step into being gospel believing people who actually don't know the gospel itself, but know how mm-hmm. to respond to it and maybe know the intended result of it. You know, I respond mm-hmm. by asking Jesus to come into my life and forgive my sin. And the result is that I'm going to live forever. I'm going to have a better life. Maybe I might have uh, a better chance uh, of marrying somebody that's that's neat versus somebody that's stupid. Um, no such luck for my wife. Anyhow, um, you know, because we don't know the gospel itself um, and what it really means and what it really is, uh, then we lack the ability to say, as Paul said, with confidence, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. 
It's not a reflect a reflection of God's power. It's not a refraction. It's not a representation. It's not a it's not an imitate. It is actually the power. Something supernatural takes place when that gospel is clear and lived and stood on. So I'm going to ask you to do something for our listeners because Lord. I know that if I'm sitting in this in this audience listening to this right now, this is what I'm thinking. All right, do me a favor, spell it out. Clearly, when you say what the gospel is, what is it? Spell it out for me. All right. Well, I would say this is the gospel. Paul said it in uh, in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. For we preach the gospel to you that uh, Christ lived, He died, and He rose again. Uh, there is for the people hearing those words, they would have understand understood a meaning behind that, and what they would have attached to that meaning, they would have said the life of Christ matters. It matters because. Um, well, first of all, it was under assault and that it was Gnosticism and other things were taking that Jesus wasn't real. He wasn't physical. He wasn't. But the life of Christ matters because the life of Christ was perfect and holy. There was no sin. Mm -hmm. And in him, we found no sin. The scripture says um, there was mm -hmm. no sin. Not that we didn't find it. It just wasn't there. Um, and his mm -hmm. perfect life satisfies something for God. It satisfies the holy standard of God. Uh, go all the way back to the to the garden. What happens? <clears throat> Adam and Eve sin. Death enters the world physically, spiritually, and in terms of quality of life. Uh, mm -hmm. Physically, they begin to decline and they begin to die. Animals begin to die. Uh, there was death. Mm -hmm. Sin uh, enters the world. Yeah, yes. death enters the world. Yeah. Yes. Spiritually, they were separated now from God. And in terms of quality of life, God said, listen, from now on, uh, you're going to live by the sweat of your brow, not by the grace of God. Uh, you're not going <laughs> to live by the... And, and, and so he comes in and says, when Jesus enters, he says, I'm going to rectify that. And so his life mm -hmm. satisfies all the requirements uh, of God to allow sin's power to be broken. His life does, his holiness. So God's going, man, the, the requirement of the law, the requirement of all my holy standards have been met. When Jesus went to the cross, the there was a satisfaction of the justice of God. Um, God can look and say, um, you know what? I don't need any other sacrifice. In fact, Hebrews says, uh, you can try all these other things, but there is no other sacrifice for sin. This is mm -hmm. it. There is none. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, Jesus, it says in, uh, in in Hebrews 9 that Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies, the place where the sacrifice was made for the people of God in history, and he entered into that place on his own merit, his own holiness. And then he gave mm -hmm. himself as a sacrifice, tearing down the, the wall between us and God. And so the life of Christ satisfies the holiness of God. When Paul says we believe in his death, he's saying his death satisfies the justice of God. So mm -hmm. God himself, because of Jesus's life and death, can say, I'm satisfied. And the resurrection seals forever that satisfaction. Uh, Romans chapter four says that uh, he was crucified for our sins, but he was risen for our justification. Uh, and that, mm -hmm. you know, and so that simplicity is that, uh, when Paul says, here's the gospel, that Jesus lived and his life satisfied the holiness of God. Jesus died and his death satisfied or met the requirements of the justice of God. 
and Jesus rose again, which seals forever the satisfaction of God because Christ died once for all. He doesn't need to die again and he's risen. So God can say, yes, that is the full package. It's all done. And that is the gospel that Paul preached. That simple gospel. Christ lived, he died, and he rose again. Not, not just facts of history, but realities that he did something with his life, he did something with his death, and he accomplished something with his resurrection. And that's where our response to the gospel comes in. He says, therefore, we are justified by faith. When we come to God in faith, placing our life into the trust of that work of Christ on our behalf, uh, God says, I'm satisfied. There's nothing else needed for you and me to be connected now because Jesus yeah. accomplished it all. So when I would say, here's yeah. the simple gospel, it's Jesus lived and his life accomplished satisfaction for the holiness of God. Jesus died and his, his death accomplished satisfaction for the justice of God because it's a perfect standard. And Jesus rose again and that resurrection seals forever the satisfaction of God. For all anyone who comes by faith. And when we put our faith in Christ, he looks at you and me as the scripture says, says, I'm satisfied because what I see in you is the life of Christ. God made him who knew no sin, you know, that sentence to become sin on our behalf so that in Christ, we now become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Well, I, I love that because for me, that is the beginning of the confident faith. It's just the, the, that simple truth that you just laid out for our listeners. And um, <clears throat> I, I hope that if that's the first time you've ever heard that, you go back and replay that, because I'll tell you what, that is, that's the foundation, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say that's where it starts? Like with any disciple that we sit down with, any person that we're walking with, anyone that we're journeying with, I, I don't know about you, but that's the beginning for me. Yeah. Let me help you understand what Jesus did for you and Absolutely. how much he loves you. Oh, yeah. Because that that conversation um you know is so vital for them to understand who they are in christ it's not about me it's not about what i can do what i can offer because jesus did that for me right and right. so the freedom to lean into that is just it's liberating that's why it's good news it's mm -hmm. liberating from the struggle of one the freedom of bondage from from sin itself that I can be free. I can choose to live differently. Man, I love that. That that is that's great news. <laughs> it so. is amazing news, and I I think for so long, um, we have focused on the result of the gospel, which is eternal life, yeah. which is heaven, which is yeah. uh, the Holy Spirit lives in you today. All good stuff, and the Bible's Important. filled with that truth. Um, right. We focused on uh, the response to the gospel. Come and pray these words. Place your trust in mm -hmm. Jesus. That we have we have forgotten how to simply say, "Here's why this works." Because it's the power mm -hmm. of God. The life of Jesus was a reflection of the power of God because He withstood all the temptation of sin. He was himself tempted in every way, just like we are, yet without sin, the scripture says. His power was, you know, the flex, as we might want to use that phrase, the flex of the gospel is that Jesus never sinned. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. I can't even get through a day without a bunch of sin. Jesus got through an entire lifetime and never sinned. Yeah. And yet 
you know, <laughs> what's the, what I remember uh, talking and probably it was with you and, and somebody else along the way is that uh, when we resist temptation, the moment we cave in temptation resets and we have a breather. Um, right. Jesus never got a breather because he never came right. to temptation. And I think the, the power of the gospel is found in the sinless life of Christ. The power of the gospel is found in the fact that that sinless life allowed him, qualified him to pay the penalty of sin, of death, spiritual death, physical death, quality of life, death. It allowed him to pay that penalty. And uh, that power was was even more flexed when um, when he rose from the dead. And what is it? You know, what's Paul say? You know, oh, grave, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your stinger? He's saying, listen, what Jesus did is the power of God. Uh, And and that's why it doesn't take works. It doesn't take anything. It just takes a little tiny, itty bitty mustard seed of faith, which was not was not a shame invoking word. if, If you just have a mustard seed. Um, and then, you know, the, my, my pastor or not my pastor, but the speaker I heard say, and you can't even move yourself out of bed. Where's your mustard seed of faith? You can move a mountain. And it's like, no, no, no. I don't think Jesus was trying to shame us. I think he was trying to encourage us to go, look guys, it doesn't, you only need a tiny little bit. That's right. Right. And, and (laughs) that's the power of the gospel. And I think that that's, you know, when we talk about truth being under assault, um, those are those are realities uh, yeah. that that God establishes in His Word. Those are realities that are established historically. The resurrection is a historical event. All those things, and uh, the enemy's going, man. If I could beat that, I couldn't beat Jesus. But if I can, if I can take what He did and lessen it or mm-hmm. confuse you with it, you're right. never going to be who He made you to be. And you're never going right. to experience what he made you to experience or do what he made you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking about the, the say yes and become and how the, the this thread of, you know, helping to build the confident faith moving forward into the year. And, you know, um, I immediately think that this is the foundation where I would start with anybody with a confident faith is let's talk about the gospel. Let's talk about the work that Jesus did in your life and help you gain a confidence in your mind that you trust that and really lean into that and allow it to transform your heart in that process because he did it because he loves you receive Mm -hmm. that. Um, You know, I think sometimes, you know, one of the struggles I've had in my own personal life is I wouldn't allow myself to receive that, that love from God because I thought Mm -hmm. I had to earn it. And that, that was the the lie that I believed in the midst of this, you know, because I added to that gospel. This will only work if you repent correctly or mm. if you believe the right way or do the right things. And so, you know, when the, the simple truth that it is that tiny little grain of mustard seed, it is that little, you know, the, the response to that is repentance. Hey, you know what, Lord, I've blown it. I don't want to be this. I, I want your truth. I want what you did to pay for me. Um, it changes things in our lives. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I love that that's where we're beginning this year, uh, kicking this year off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, I'm excited. We're going to be bringing on a friend of mine, aren't we? Yes, we are. Um, we are. Tell us about him. So my buddy named Chuck, he and I went to Biola Apologetics. We He got his master's degree in apolog- Christian Apologetics with me, and he works for an organization called Ratio Christi. And they, you know, I, I'm going to mess this up, but I feel bad about it. But they work with basically college students all over the nation on college campuses, uh, training them, teaching them, and helping equip them with apologetics, which this is how I describe modern apologetics to people. It is the foundation of why we believe what we believe. Um, mm. There was a season when people hear apologetics and they think, oh, it's a big battle about uh, we're going to argue and we're going to make counter arguments and we're going to debate atheists. And I don't think that's the case anymore uh, when it comes to apologetics. It's really helping people ground in the truth and the historicity of our faith um, and the philosophical arguments, all kinds of stuff. It's just kind of all encompassing, but really helping people understand the why that it's it's valid and good and helpful in your mm-hmm. faith. Um, it helps answer those those questions for people pretty, at least for me, that it answers those questions. So Chuck, he is, um, he's working on that. He's actually working on his doctorate right now, I believe in Christian leadership, Ooh, but nice. I probably going to get that wrong. He's going back to Biola and working on his doctoral degree there, but I'm excited. Great dude. Can't with, man is he is a wealth of apologetics knowledge i i love talking to him because he can pull these these conversations right off the top of his head i have to look um <laughs> even though i've studied them i have to go reread them and look them look them up but chuck is uh he's a walking encyclopedia for this stuff so i'm really excited he's going to be joining us um leonard is there anything else that you want to add about becoming you know just just uh, having that confident faith in this this session while we wrap up our time or anything uh, else you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say two things. One is the whole idea behind say yes and become uh, is not a conclusion, but a step in the right direction. And so it's a journey. And when I say yeah, yes, that's good. you know, I, I'm a pretty confident uh, 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 grill master now, and I don't know if master's mm-hmm. the right term, but I'm pretty confident in what I do. I don't, I don't, you know, pull out a brisket and think, Oh no, I'm going to ruin it. I pull out a brisket and think, how am I going to improve it? Uh, I don't uh, do work on ribs or chicken or anything else uh, and think, oh, no, what if I get this wrong? I think, oh, man, this is going to be easy. And plus what I don't know, I call you and ask. Um, (laughs) And I think that that confidence has actually made me better. Uh, Mm. But it started with saying yes to trying. It started with saying yes to going, man, a brisket's pretty expensive. I don't even want to risk, you know, ruining a piece of meat that's going to cost me that much money. Um, yes. You know, and and I think uh, saying yes, the say yes and become, it's not a single yes that causes us to become. It's a series of yeses that cause yeah, us absolutely. to become. And it's a daily yes. And it's moment by moment. Yes. And it's, it's spending time uh, in the scriptures. It's spending time in prayer. It's spending time. Uh, connected to God's people is spending time listening to a certain podcast that, uh, well, never mind. Um, but it's that whole idea that um, yes is a continual process. And the transformation yeah. piece, I'm not transformed with a single yes. I am transformed with continual yeses to a single truth, uh, to, mm-hmm. a, to, to a, a single person, and that's Christ himself. 
Um, and so mm-hmm. I would just say that, and that's why that's why we're expanding this year. Uh, our vision for starting Say Yes and Become really was to establish a podcast that was encouraging, uh, that encouraged you to say yes to to the invitation of be close to Christ, come close, come be his friend, and just help you yeah. say yes to the idea of being his partner, joining mm-hmm. him in the things he wants done. And transformation takes place as I say yes continually in those places. So that's that's one thing, and I'm excited about this year. Uh, talking about building a confident faith. I'm excited about this year. You joining in on the podcast. Um, the other thing that I would say is, uh, I, and maybe we can just wrap up in this thought and I'll get your, you can bounce out some thoughts on this. Um, we use a, we use a, a, a theological word. It's a biblical, it's, uh, it's not a Bible word, but it's, it's a help. It's a word that helps us understand how we get what we get from scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's called hermeneutic. Uh, mm-hmm. and hermeneutic is really, it's, it's the, it's the study of interpretation and meaning. Uh, how do mm-hmm. I get meaning and interpret scriptures properly? Uh, and there's a lot to that. There is, um, you know, I mean, you can use literary styles, which is this, you know, is this hyperbole? Is it, you know, is it just plain, you know, prophetic? There's all kinds of nuances that go into, uh, building a hermeneutic. If you've gone to Bible school, uh, and you've taken Bible courses or sometimes grad school, uh, they give you, they give you training in a hermeneutic. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think you had to take hermeneutics for your masters. Um, I did. And, and, and it's, and it's literally a science. And by the way, um, if you study hermeneutics as a science, they use this in uh, er, uh, Platonian literature, uh, the Shakespearean literature, they use it in po- all, throughout all kinds of historical documents. And it's how you interpret it's it, it's meaning, and mm-hmm. how you uh, under how you interpret it. How do you understand it in light of culture, mm-hmm. context, language, and so on? Yeah, we we do a training when I travel, and if you're not familiar with what I'm saying, when I travel, I run a ministry called the Forge Network, and we train and equip uh, pastors and leaders to become well-trained disciple makers who train their people to be disciple makers, who then, because we think that that's what Jesus did. Jesus trained disciples who could make disciples, who could make disciples for generations. And that's why we sit here and talk about these things. Uh, And so we have have what we call a disciple makers hermeneutic. Um, How do I, as a disciple maker, how do I discern meaning, from scripture, how do I how do I derive that? And this is this is uh, in a nutshell uh, about a six hour seven hour training that we would do in mm-hmm. another place. I'll give it to you in just a few minutes. Um, when we do, <laughs> somebody's going to say, "Well, if you could give it in a few minutes, why would you do it over seven hours? Why did it take six hours to do it that long?" Because yeah. I'm a pastor, and we know how to lengthen things and stretch the stretch a message out. Um, when I when I practice the hermeneutic of a disciple maker, the first thing I do is I see all scripture through the lens of mission. <clears throat> Where this is a little different is is um, uh, oftentimes well, what I was taught was to see scripture in, through the lens of context first. Uh, context mm-hmm. being language, culture, who was speaking, who was listening. Um, mm-hmm. When I interpret scripture today. I always see scripture in light of a grand mission of God, that the mission of God before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain, 
when Adam and Eve sinned, the woman's seed that would crush the serpent's head, uh, the salvation story was 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 uh, uh, it introduced to humanity. Uh, the virgin birth was introduced to humanity in Genesis three. You keep going, and now uh, the practice of, of of bringing in this rescuer, this 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 seed that would crush the serpent's head, is initiated in in Genesis twelve. And Abram is called, and Sarai, and they become the father of great of, of many. And the whole Old Testament is the story of a Messiah and a Redeemer coming into the world. But that's all about the mission of God. When Jesus enters the world, he says, I came to seek and save the lost and do so at the cost of my own life. That's how I'm going to get it done. And so when I read scripture and interpret scripture, I always interpret it in light of there's a mission that God has been working on before the foundation of the world. Somebody says, well, what does that actually mean? So we go to John uh, 16 and it says, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Apply the context that we have today. And here's what you hear uh, us say whether from the pulpit, from the news, uh, from the radio, or as we sit across in a Bible study, you know, um, uh, the world is tough and, you know, it's okay because God's overcome. You know, mm -hmm. he said, we're going to have problems and that could be mm -hmm. your back. That could be your finances. That could be your cousin, Joe, uh, embezzling right. money from your company, whatever it is. Right. But in the, mm -hmm. in, in the context, starting with, with the mission of God, put that, let, allow that to shape your interpretation. And all of a sudden you have Jesus getting ready to hand the keys to the gospel, the kingdom and the mission of God to his friends. And he says to them, listen, uh, he's already told them that he's going to die. He's already told them that the world's going to hate them. He's already told them it's going to be rough out there. And he, he puts this little, this little capstone nugget on it before he goes to his, his, his prayer in John 17. And he says, listen, guys, in this world, you will have trouble. With the mission I just yeah. sent you on, it's going to be rough out there. Uh, the seas are going to be choppier. The people are going to be meaner. They hate you, but they hated me first. He said all these things. In this world, it's going to be tough. When you live on the mission of God, when you accept these keys from my hand, which by the way, we accept the moment we trust Christ, right? When you, It's going to be rough, but it's okay. You can have joy in that because in the end, I win. I've overcome that. And this is a victory pathway, even though it's it's fraught with danger, landmines, and difficulty. That's how you interpret scripture in light of the mission of God. And all scripture interpreted through the light. So I always start with the mission of God. The second thing I do is from there, I go to the, the uh, grand story of scripture. I have the unique privilege of seeing scripture in light of its whole canon the whole rule mm -hmm. of it, the measurement of it. Uh, they, that's not true up until 380 or approximately. Now I can see right. scripture in light of that and in light of history. Um, and so I, there's a big story in that. And it starts before the foundation of the world. It goes to the creation story where we meet a, a creator, then we meet a redeemer, and then we, we see his plan. And then we there's a big story. And at the center of that story is Jesus himself. Uh, he is the yep. star. It's all about him and about what he's doing, who is limitless in power, limitless in love, and limitless in holiness and justice. That's mm, our Jesus. I love it. 
And then from there, uh, we go to, um, from the mission, then we go to the story, and then we go to meaning. And we allow mm -hmm. ourselves then to figure out what is the culture? What is the context? Who is Jesus speaking to? Is there a literary form? How far do you want to go with that? You know, not everybody can do that, but uh, is right. there something there? Is there a language? Does this word have a meaning that is unique? Uh, you know, wherever sin abounds, grace superabounds. Paul actually creates a word to call that we can use superabounds, but he had to smash two words into each other so hard that it became one word. That's where we begin to understand and derive meaning now. So, but that meaning now mm -hmm. lays underneath mission and it lays and it's shaped broadly by the story that God's telling. And now, we're discerning meaning. The next step in the process, Justin, is um, is is application. Yeah. When we listen to uh, a lot of the internet stuff and the things out there, we have people starting with application and then telling you meaning, and that's upside yeah, down. Yeah, they go backwards. Yeah, and yeah. that means that I can have it mean anything I want because I've I've already distorted meaning by applying it first. Now we go right. to application. Uh, and then once we're we've gone from uh, mission to the grand story to meaning, now we go to application and application takes on uh, here's how you know you got application right if it drives you into friendship and partnership with God. Mm -hmm. Not a better life, not a smoother life, not we're going to claim these promises against the devil. Right. It does it drive me deeper into friendship and partnership with God. And then the final thing is, is, is we, we also know we have it right when we share it with others with the intention of helping them find their place in the story that God continues to tell. Yep. That yep. goes back to mission. It's a full circle. Um, and so my job is I relate scripture to people uh, is to is to start with mission, go to the story, go to the meaning, go to the application. And the hope is, is that when I've applied scripture well, I can look somebody in the eye and they can say, I know where I fit in the story that God's telling. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a beloved child of God. I am now a bond servant of Christ. I am. Mm -hmm. and that's where the disciple making process comes into play as we use scripture to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So that's my, that's my uh, other thing that uh, is on my mind. And we're going to talk more about that. I'm sure as we go down the road. Um, I love it. So, and I will say this to anybody who hears what we say uh, and says, man, I don't agree with any of that. Um, let me, let me see if I can make this super clear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am, I am not in an argument with you and you are not in an argument with me. We can hold different meanings and different thoughts. Um, uh, but I, I would hope that just like I have done uh, with many times is when I hear something, my ears are open. Jesus continually said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And usually that's because he said something kind of crazy. Uh, and he said to them, hey, listen, uh, what I'm telling you is going to be difficult to hear. But if you have ears to hear it, hear it. So that's my two cents. Anything you want to say, add to that or change or correct me? No, I love the hermeneutics as a part of this. I mean, that, that idea, I would tell you it for, for me, gave me confidence in my faith by helping me understand that I could read and study on my own. Mm. I didn't need someone to spoon feed me the Bible. Yeah. Um, 
And that, that was a huge, that was an eye opening moment for me that I can learn how to do this and I can study it on my own in a way that is meaningful and that I can really truly find the meaning of the scripture and then application. I mean, because like you said, I think, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to make sure I don't do is take it out of context and try and make it say what I want it to say. Yeah. Um, I want the Bible to speak and me to shift, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak and have, try and make the Bible shift. And um, I think that's one of the mistakes that, that is made out there um, in the world. And so I no, I, I, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited to be a part of, thank you. I'm honored to be asked to be a part of say yes and become, um, you know, it is, it's been an honor to walk with you for all these years and to, to learn at your side. And, and um, I'm excited to, to what people are going to learn from this and how they're going to be able to apply this in their own lives. It's, it's been game changing for me in that mm. um, I am a big part of who I am because of it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you, my friend. Happy new year to you. We got uh happy new year. 2023 kicking off right now and uh did you set any uh, you got any resolutions you're thinking of setting uh you know i'm not a big new year's resolution guy uh i tend to not follow them i have been at the gym five days a week for most of this year my goals are to continue that and uh if anything to eat a little more consistently healthy uh, that's that those are them, you know, uh, healthy proteins and vegetables. I mean, that's, that's kind of my wheelhouse right there. Yeah. What I'm trying to chase. So a good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. So those are, those are my new year's quote unquote resolutions for the year. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Um, so yeah. How about yourself? Any, did you make any for the year? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm always working on, uh, taking what you say and then saying something more spiritual. So I'm going to oh, memorize yeah. all of the Bible this year. Uh, oh yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, I, I think my resolution uh, for 2023 is um, uh, on a personal level, just uh, to continue to put more healthy habits in my life, um, whether physical, uh, spiritual, and uh, some of that is to, is to add, uh, I practice silence and uh, quiet pretty well most every day, mm -hmm. but I need to add um, a little bit more rhythm of Sabbath just to say, okay, mm -hmm. I turned everything off. And because I love what I do so much, it's really hard to turn it off. Uh, and because I'm an extreme creative in my head, it's really hard. And so I'm just trusting God to, to uh, give me those tools. And then uh, my, my word for 2023 uh, is surrender. Um, there's just some pieces of my life. I want to say, God, I, I want to keep these surrendered. And I, I think, you know, how it is. You surrender something, uh, you know, all to Jesus, I surrender. And then later on in the day, 78% to Jesus, I surrender. And then by the night, 12% to Jesus, I surrender. And I wanted like, yeah. I want to just keep revisiting that word throughout the day as I surrender. Uh, I just yeah. want to keep myself surrendered to him. Uh, so those are my words. Well, well, I think that should be a show. Um, we hope you guys like it and you listen to it. Um, if you do like it and listen to it, uh, we're going to ask you to do us a favor. Could you uh, click the follow button? That will help us know uh, if we're if we're actually hitting the people, hitting the market. We don't want to hit people. Hitting hitting our targets of what we're trying to do. 
uh, and then if you would also somewhere in there, there is a, a, a little button you can click called share. Would you share yeah. this with somebody and just say to them, uh, Hey, we were encouraged by this. Yes. We think you might as well. Uh, that will also help us um, as we are just simply working to uh, is to communicate a truth to people uh, in a broader range. And so you could do that and help us a lot at say yes and become and um, Dustin, thanks. Thanks for uh, saying yes to uh, co-hosting with me. And uh, I wish you and Stacy a great new year. You too. And say, give, give your love to your family and uh, happy new year, everyone. All right. Happy new year. Thanks for uh, being a part of uh, Say Yes and Become.